I want you to go to Exodus chapter uh, 19 this evening. Exodus chapter 19. And I I want to do a I want to do a, a study this evening. Um, and really this is an encouragement to us. I, I know that um, um, just so many, um, it just seems like everywhere we turn, there's something or someone. Um, I was looking at a prayer list today, and it is completely full. Someone's, someone made the suggestion they're not able to be here on Wednesday nights. They said, is there any way that we can put the prayer list in the Sunday bulletin? And just kind of chuckled and thought, you know, have you seen the Wednesday prayer list? You know, we'd have to make a, a book out of our bulletin on Sunday to add all of that. There's so many. Um, Bill just walked in and praise the Lord today, though, Bill had his last chemo treatment today. He got to ring that bell and, and that's a good thing. And so uh, we've been praying for Bill uh, with his cancer and um, we'll continue to pray for Bill, just not the chemo. So we praise the Lord for that. But um, Exodus chapter 19, and um, do, you ever, do you ever think about the, the, the meaning or the purpose of life? Do you ever think about that? Purpose of life, purpose of your life? You know, we're, we're, we're not here just to exist or survive. Even in the midst of, of trials or problems, it, there's, there's a purpose and a meaning to our life. And, and, and we don't have to aimlessly just go through life hoping that we get through a, a miserable day knowing that the next day is going to be miserable as well. There is a purpose and there's a meaning. And um, Exodus chapter 19, I want you to look here with me. The, the uh, children of Israel, they are at Sinai, and, and God comes and he speaks to Moses, and he says this, and Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I do unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. How I bear you, I want you to see that, how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. And God is speaking to his people here in this uh, particular passage about um, our lives and their lives and, and how he deals with our lives. And, 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 and how, he, how he deals in our lives to bring us to this great purpose and the great meaning of life. There, there's something I want us to look at, and we're going to be in several different passages of Scripture, but something this past week, um, uh, last uh, Sunday, uh, we had just sat down and getting ready to have um, uh, Mother's Day uh, lunch, and, and it, was, it wasn't necessarily a, a, a great day necessarily for us. My in-laws came up from Cincinnati. Um, that's not why it wasn't a great day for us. Um, <laughs> It contributed, but that wasn't the whole reason. Um, my in-laws came up from Cincinnati, and um, uh, the reason they came up from Cincinnati is because Mother's Day is a very difficult day for my mother-in-law um, because my, my um, uh, brother-in-law passed away four or five years ago now. And so Mother's Day is already a very difficult day. And so I, um, we, they came up here to spend the afternoon just a really quick trip. And so 
we, um, we went out to dinner and we, I mean, we sat down, we didn't even order. My phone rang and I noticed it was the same number that had tried to call me earlier. I just didn't pay attention because my phone was in my office during the service. And so I knew that obviously somebody that I didn't recognize who it was, but I knew somebody was trying to get a hold of me. So I excused myself um, from ordering and just answered the phone. And that's when I got the call um, and it was one of the family members that said, can you please get here to the hospital? There's been a tragic or it's been a very bad accident at home with, with Evan. And, um, you know, me, I said, well, you know, I just sat down to eat it. Can I, can I head to the hospital right afterwards? And they said, Evan is dead. And I looked across and my in-laws were sitting right across the table from me. And I thought, wow, here's a, another mother that's going to be grieving on this day. And so I, I obviously, I apologized, said, boy, for even suggesting I'd come after dinner. I said, I'm so sorry. I got up and I left and went right to the hospital. And in the first thing that um, uh, Emma, when I came in the hospital, first thing she said to me is, why? Why? In, 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 in all week, really all week, um, um, there's this, we've been battling and struggling with this question of why. Why, why, did, why did Bill get cancer? Why did, um, why did Connie get diagnosed with cancer? And, and, and we can go through every single person in this room and we can say, why? Why this? Why that? Why this problem? Why that problem? And if we're not careful, the whys can consume our life. And we can just live life wondering why and not ever really finding the answer. The reality is this, we'll probably never find out on this side of eternity why a little four-year-old boy died on Mother's Day. And sometimes if we're not careful, we search for answers that we're not going to answer. We're not, going to, we're not ever going to find the answer to this. But God here is doing something in the life of Israel. And this is a, a, such, a, such a peculiar passage. And he says this, and this is the thought I want us to carry through this Bible study here this evening. He says, um, you've seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. God chooses this expression to help us understand how he deals with us in bringing us the greatest meaning of life. And tonight, what I want us to answer, the question I want to answer tonight for us is, what is the greatest meaning of life? What's the greatest meaning of our life? And I want you to see this, and we're going to follow this thought of the eagle's wings, and then this thought, because he says, I'm, I bear you on eagle's wings, and did what? It wasn't that he just bore you on eagle's wings. This is what he desired to do, and brought you under my, unto myself. What God is doing through every single situation, event, circumstance, good, bad, everything in between, the things that we can figure out in life and the things that we can't figure out in life, what God is always doing in our lives is doing something to bring us unto himself. That's what God's always doing. God's purpose, 
Once you're, a, once you're uh, for a lost person is what? To bring them to the place of salvation. So for what reason? So he can bring you unto himself. Once you're saved, and we've been talking about this uh, through our lessons on discipleship and, and what God desires to do. Once you're saved, God still desires to work in your life and bring you unto himself, unto himself. not in the place of salvation. That's already taken care of but with a walk with him, a, a, an understanding of him. And so his desire is to bring us unto himself. God desires to bring us to him. There's no doubt about that. Every single situation going on in your life is a situation that God desires to use to bring you to him. How many of you would agree with that? Okay. I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter number 32, if you would, please. We're going to be in several passages. Um, if you have a, have a sticky note or something, piece of paper, stick it in there, and we'll come back to it. I probably don't carry sticky notes around, do you? Um, gum wrapper or something, stick that in there. Deuteronomy chapter number 32. Deuteronomy chapter number 32. And I want us to go to a different passage of Scripture. How many of you know what's happening in, in um, Deuteronomy chapter 32? Anybody know? Off the top of your head, anybody know? Not a trick question. Say it again. Moses is dying. Moses is, 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 is going to stand and see the promised land, but he's not going to enter the promised land. But Moses does something so, so significant here. Moses is getting ready to die. And Moses knows it. And Moses knows why. And what does Moses do? He sings a song. Moses sings a song. Here's a song he sings. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He says this, he is my... He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are perverse and, a, a, and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, and O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? He's asking this question. He says, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds in the, in, in the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land. This is, this is special. He found him in a desert land. He found him in a place of despair. In, in, in waste, howling wilderness. This is not a place that you want to be, but this is where God found us. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. We find this here. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, 
taketh them, beareth them on her wings. We're going to look at this verse because there's something significant about this. Look what he says. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He says in verse 11, something I want you to mark. He says this, um, as an eagle, as an eagle. Remember, remember in Exodus chapter number 19, he, um, he said this in verse number four, um, uh, and uh, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings. What's the significance of that? We, we come to Deuteronomy and he says, he says something even a little bit deeper about this. He says, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. In verse number 12, he says, so the Lord. I want you to just mark those three words, as an eagle and so the Lord. If I could choose in life to do anything, and if you could choose in life to do anything, is it would, would it be what you're doing now? The, the reality is, I, and I believe, this is, I believe this is true, I believe this, I would choose exactly what God has called me to do right now. But this is the thing. It's not always easy. Doing exactly what God has called me to do and doing exactly what God has called you to do is not always the easiest thing to do. Matter of fact, it's not always the most joyful thing to do. I told the one o'clock service today, be very, very careful when you listen to prosperity gospel preachers. That's a sure way to mess a Christian up. It's a sure way to get a Christian thinking, well, I must be doing something wrong. It's a sure way to get a Christian into living into guilt and, 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 and like you have caused something uh, wrong. Because remember in John chapter 15, the Bible says this, the, the branch that beareth fruit, what does the Lord do to the branch that beareth fruit? Anybody know? He, 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 he puts miracle grow on it, he leaves it alone. No, he purges it. Why does he purge it? Because when he purges it, it bears more fruit. And the way that we glorify God is us bearing much fruit. Now, this is important. Because God is after us bringing glory to him. God is after us bringing more fruit. And it takes a purging for that to happen. I think, I think it's possible, I do believe that it's possible for all of God's people to want to be in God's will, to enjoy being God's will, even when purging comes or problems come or a situation comes. I, I remember when we came back to Ohio, we had served in Cincinnati for 10 years, moved from Ohio to uh, Georgia, and, and, I, and I came back to Ohio to pastor this church. And, and I know the Lord was leading me to do it. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. But there are days that if you just took that, that one day, you'd have to question. I, I remember, it'll be four years ago, uh, this, this upcoming month, June, I remember the struggle of 
Lord, do I want to surrender to your will? I, I, I remember when I candidated, I, we left, my wife and I and my family, we, it was a Sunday night and the church was going to take a vote. And um, as, as the, as the, toward the end of the service, Brian, remember this? My, we left. And, 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 and Henry Cockrell called. He said, hey, where, where you at? We, we just took the vote. He said, where you at? I said, we're at the hotel. <laughs> I remember I walked out of the room and I'm walking down the, uh, the hallway of the hotel. He said, well, do you want to hear what the vote is? I said, not really. He said, well, you, you, you got the vote. Um, everyone's in the auditorium waiting. What do you want me to tell them? How many of you were here? I said, I'm going to pray about it. And you could have heard a pin drop on the other end. Henry said, you, you, you want me to go in and tell them you're going to pray about it? I said, that would be good. And I remember the next day getting in our car, and I said to my wife, we are never going to drive back to Northwest Ohio ever again in our life. And she said, is that what God wants? I said, nope, that's what I want. And I remember her saying, shouldn't we ask God what he wants? I said, no, because I don't want to know what he wants, because I have a feeling it might be different than what I want. It's truth. And, and it wasn't necessarily because I didn't like people here. The reality was I loved so many people where we were at. The reality of having to leave, it hit me, and I said, I don't want to leave these people. I, I, I don't want to tell the people that I've pastored that I'm moving. And the only thing that could get me to leave where I was is that I knew this is what the Lord wanted me to do. It's the only reason. And the only reason I believe that any of us should do anything in life is because we know it is exactly what the Lord wants us to do. And hear me, sometimes what the Lord wants us to do isn't always what we want to do. Matter of fact, many a times, because God just has a way He's so much smarter than we are, aren't we? Have you figured that out yet? He, he has a way of knowing what's better for us than we do. In most of us, if we would choose our life, we would never choose the purging. We would never choose the, the um, uh, level of faith that is required to please God. But God calls you to himself. And that's not always easy. God wasn't just leading the people out of Egypt's bondage. And God wasn't just leading them to a land of milk and honey. What he said to Moses was this, he was bringing them unto himself. There's a difference between being at a physical place and being a place with God. God uses physical places in our life. But the purpose isn't to get you to a physical place. The purpose is to get you to a place of himself. Because if it was about a, a physical place, why don't we all just become missionaries to like Aruba or something? People need the Lord there, right? Amen? Because it's not the place, it's him. God leads us to a place, 
but it is a place for us, for him to bring us to himself. Stay with me, please. God has brought you where he has brought you to bring you unto himself. Do you realize whether it's your home, your family, the person you're married to, the person you want to be married to, for a few of us in the room tonight, the person that you, 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 the job that you have, all of those things God has brought you to to bring you to himself. That's the goal. Make, make, make no mistake about it. God has brought you where he has brought you to bring you unto himself. That is the meaning of life. The meaning of life is not eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. The meaning of life is not to gather and gather and gather because remember, all of it's gone. The meaning of life isn't to see how much we can get in this life. And listen to me, there's nothing wrong with getting in life. There's nothing wrong, you know, sometimes if we're not careful, we can say, boy, the preacher always preaches against, you know, having a nice day. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having something nice. You know what I did yesterday? I washed my truck. You know what I do often? I, I vacuum my truck out. I don't think there's anything wrong with having something nice and keeping something nice. But that's not what we're to pursue, that God wasn't bringing the children of Israel to the promised land. So once they got milk and honey, they could say, this is the meaning of life. I have milk and honey. No, the milk and honey was something there in the promised land. But the purpose of bringing them there is to bring them to himself. It's so that they say, I've got God. I worship God. I don't need the gods of the Egyptians. I don't need the gods of these other, other um, nations. I have come to God. I am to, with him. He has brought me unto himself. God wants you to know more of the Lord than you know of the Lord. Do you get that? When I wrote that down, it confused me at first, but then I, I said, did I say that wrong? No, God wants you to know more of the Lord than you know of the Lord. Don't, don't, don't miss that. The meaning of life is to, the, is to bring you to himself. And he's always wanting you to know more of him than you know of him. That means this, what you know of him today, tomorrow there's more to know. There's a deeper relationship. It's not about stuff. It's not about problems. God brings all of these things in our life in it so that you know something about him that you would have never known without this. You know what? I am convinced. I am convinced more than today than I have been in the last seven or eight days, nine days. I am convinced that, that um, Fu and, or Frankie and, and Emma um, that they are, they know God greater today than they did 10 days ago. I'm convinced. I've, I've, spent, I, I've spent probably 24 hours with them over the last seven or eight days. I wasn't convinced of that in the hospital room when their, their son was laying on that table. I was concerned. I, I'll be honest with you, I was concerned. Because they've got family that's pulling them back into religion. They've got family that's pulling them away from God. They're atheists. 
But you know, when God was working, God was doing some things to bring him, them to himself, and I see their faith is strong. I saw Frankie today sharing his faith with a lady across the desk at the cemetery. I've, 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 I've listened, and I didn't understand what he was saying because I don't speak um, Chinese, but the, their brother-in-law told me what was being said. I heard and then, and then was interpreted for me that Frankie and Emma were sharing with their family that only speaks Chinese how strong their faith is in the Lord. I'm convinced of this, that God was doing something in their life that is bringing them closer to himself. See, the goal is so that we look at all things that God is working in our lives so that you know more of the Lord than you know of the Lord. You listen to me. Some of the hardest, most difficult days being married have caused me to know my wife better. We, we spent, for our 10th anniversary, we spent um, about seven or eight days in Jamaica. It was just me and Michelle. I think Lily was six months old, and so we brought her with us. And, and, and this is what we did. I got up in the morning, and, and she would give me um, uh, towels and books and, and hats and baby stuff, and she'd, she'd point, I want those five chairs. And so I'd leave the room, I'd go down to five chairs, and I would put stuff on five chairs. And as the sun moved, she moved chairs. She'd get up, shower, we'd go to dinner, and guess what we did the next day? The same thing. We read books, we ate dinner together. It was beautiful, it didn't rain, it was nice. I mean, it it was just, it was a, a great trip. But I can't tell you that I grew closer to her on that trip. Matter of fact, things were so good and things were so fun. We didn't fight. We didn't argue. I don't know if we talked much. What a beautiful trip. But you know what I realized? That trip in itself didn't draw us closer together. We had a good time together. Don't get me wrong. It didn't draw us closer together. Since that time, and probably even before that time, since that time, though, there has been purging and pruning and God working and God wanting us to draw closer to himself. There was a week period of time, a, a week from the time that I candidated in the time that I called back and said, hey, guess what? We're going we're gonna to come. And, and I'll tell you, in that time, it was so difficult. It was so trying. It, 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 it involved so much prayer. It involved so much knowing God's will. We grew closer together in that most difficult time together than we did when we were in paradise together. You see, God puts things in our lives because there are things he wants us to know more of the Lord than you know of the Lord right now. And sometimes knowing that what he wants us to know only comes through purging, through pruning, through working. I want you to go to the book of John. Let's go to the New Testament. John, if you would, please. John chapter 17. You guys awake? You with me? 
Anybody sleeping? Hot? Anybody hot? Anybody cold? Anybody just right? The just rights have it. Okay. John chapter 17. Stay with me, please. I want to help you tonight. I really, um, this helped me get through like the last nine days of my life. Jesus is speaking. In verse number one of chapter 17, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all the flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this, in verse number three, and this is life eternal. What is life eternal? That they might know thee, and the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is life eternal, that they may know thee. That they may know thee. What is God after? To bring you unto himself, to know him. To, to know what he's doing, to, to know his, his power, to know his mercy, to know his grace, to know his strength, that they may know thee. Jesus answers this question right here, and this is life eternal. What, Jesus? That they may know thee in the only true God. What did God say to Moses? I want you to take them out of Egypt into the land of milk and honey. Bring them unto myself. What's he saying? That they may know me. That's what God's after. God's after his people knowing him. God says to Moses, I have done all this so that my people know me. Go back to Genesis chapter 32. Would you go there, please? Moses has a song of testimony about God about uh, his people, even though he's about ready to die. This, is, this, this blows my mind. Moses leads the children of Israel through the... Think about Moses' life. I saw a sign right now. If you think, you're, you think it's bad, don't worry. Moses was a basket case too. You know, I thought that was pretty funny. He, he, uh, but Moses, he, he gets, he's living in a time where his, they're killing boys... There, he he, he um, the, the, raises in uh, Pharaoh's palace, but he's not part of Pharaoh's family. He murders a, an Egyptian. He flees to the backside of the desert. He, he, he sees a burning bush. He, he has to go and he does all of the things, all the miracles that God did and all the plagues and all of that stuff happened. He leads the people into the promised land and all the, the entire time, the people are grumbling. Their people are complaining. Everything Moses says he's going to do, they're all against him. Moses had to at some point say, you know what? I'm done. I, I'm, I'm over this. And, and everything that God tells Moses to do, the people challenge. Moses, Moses um, does all of this, does all of this, gets angry one time because of the people, and God says, you're not going in the promised land. Are you serious? But instead of griping and complaining, you know what Moses does? He writes a song. You know what Moses knew? 
Getting to the promised land wasn't the reward. Knowing God was the reward. Being with Him was the reward. And he says this in this song. Look with me in verse number 4 of chapter 32. He says this, He is the rock. His work is perfect. He says he, uh, it, it, it's all going to come together. When he says he, his work is perfect, you know what he realized? He's facing death. He's not going to go to the promised land. He's been through so many trials. Life has not always been easy for Moses. You know what he says, though? It's all going to come together. How do I know that? Because his way is perfect. He's the rock. You know what Moses is saying? It's all going to work out. Every single thing that God is doing in our life, hear me tonight, please. It's all going to work out. Not because you, not because you have a plan, not because you're going to figure this out. It's all going to work out because he is perfect. God doesn't know how to make a mistake. Isn't that good? Nothing surprises God. It's not like God did something. Have you ever done something and then after you were done, you're like, that, that, that was bad. I, I bought a lawnmower, and I put the lawnmower together. I don't read instructions. If you have to read instructions to put a lawnmower together, there's a problem. Guess what? There's a problem. I put this thing together, and I'm like, this isn't working. I had to take all the nuts back off and everything back off and, and redo it all and, 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 and follow the instructions. You know why? Because I'm not perfect. Matter of fact, most of the things I do, if I don't follow instructions, it, it costs me. It costs me time. It costs me money. It costs me a lot. You know why? Because I'm not perfect. There's things that I've started to do that I've said, I shouldn't have started this. I had the great idea when I was about, uh, I was in Bible college, right after Bible college, um, uh, I, I bought a 1976 Jeep, CJ6 or 7, I think, I forget now what it was. What is it, 7? CJ7? thing was a piece of junk. It, it didn't even run. And I thought to myself, I am going to fix this thing up, and it's going to run by the time I'm done. And I had this thing sitting in my... And, so I remember taking the tire off, and I took all the front brakes off. I'd never, I had never done brakes a, a day in my life. And uh, I took everything off, and, I, and everything was there. And I'm looking at the new brakes. I'm looking at the old brakes. I'm thinking, I'm in trouble. I probably shouldn't have gone down this road. I mean, I, 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 so I had to call a friend, and he put them on, and then I, I'd, I'd do something else, and I'd call a friend, and he'd have to fix it, and I'd do something else, and, and I'd call a friend, and they didn't. And so me and a friend did this, this, this Jeep. I tore it apart. He put it back together. I drove it one time. Sold it. Drove it about four blocks and sold it. Sold it because I couldn't, I mean, it, it was all I could it, it did everything it could just to go four blocks. It was either now tow it from there or just get rid of it. I calculated it all up. I think I bought the thing for a couple hundred bucks and put all the money into it, and I sold it for about 50 bucks. I said to myself, that was the biggest mistake I've ever made. Not the only mistake I've ever made. 
And, and the thing about life for us is this. We as, we as human beings, we can make decisions that are mistakes. We can get ourselves into problems that we never should have gotten ourselves into. But God never makes a mistake. God never looks and says, I'm going to have to call a friend. I got myself into a jam here. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. I'm being serious. God is perfect. What you're going through is by the hand of a perfect God. For what reason? To bring you unto himself. Whatever God is doing, would you, would you mark this down, please? Please mark this down. Tell yourself this a hundred times. Whatever God is doing, it's always perfect. Whatever God is doing, it's always perfect. Whatever God is doing, it is always perfect. How do I know that? Because here, uh, Moses, in his death, he sings a song and he says this, he is the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are judgment. He is always perfect. Look with me in verse number seven. He says, remember the days of old, consider the years of my generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee thy elders, and, and they will tell thee. What's he saying there? When you found us, we weren't even a people. We were nothing. We were living in a desolate place. We, we didn't have anything good to offer. We were nothing. But when you found us, you made us perfect. Look in verse number 10. He says this. We, he found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. What comes good out of that? Whatever God touches. He, he led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Think about what you mean to God. You, you, you know what you mean to God? Hear me, please. This is what you mean to God. He's willing to find you in a desert, a desert place, in a desolate wilderness, where you're, you're unworthy, where there's nothing valuable. He's willing to take you, make you the apple of his eye. How many of you ever heard that an apple of my eye. That, that's something very endearing. That, that's what, you know, dads say to their girls, you're the apple of my eye. No, no one is ever going to take care of you as well as dad's ever taken care of you. Remember that, you know, when she's on her wedding day. Remember when you go off with that, that knucklehead. Uh, you're the apple of my eye. Dad always loves you. Dad will always take care of you. He'll never love you like dad's going to love you because you're the apple of my eye. I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. But guess what? That's how God sees you. Isn't that good? You see, there's a method that he brings to us, and this is where I want us to get to, and, 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 and I'm going to bring it together here, please. I asked you to follow along with me this eagle. He says, I'm going to bring you up on my wings of eagles, the method of bringing us up. Look with me in verse number 11. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. As the eagle builds, so the Lord builds. And I want you to think about this, please. When an eagle is building her nest, many a times the eagle will build her nest on the side of a mountain, 
in the highest tree. What's the purpose of the eagle building her nest on a side of a mountain where no one can get to, no animal can get to, or the highest tree where no animal can get to? What's the purpose of that? Safety. Exactly right. Please stay with me here, please. I'm bringing all this together. The eagle builds a nest, and what that eagle does is it finds strong branches, and it also finds very sensitive hay, soft material. And it takes those branches and it builds those, it takes those branches and puts it on the side of that cliff or way high in that tree, and, he, and, he, and that, that, that eagle builds that nest there because it's a place of safety. Now hear me, as the eagle builds a nest, so the Lord builds for us. He builds us a place of safety. And the place is chosen. The place is chosen and then the, place of the, the process of construction begins and the eagle does all of this. When, when the nest is complete, the, eagles, the eagle does something. It places its eggs in that nest. And what happens in that nest, in that faraway place, safe from predators, safe from animals? What happens with those eggs? Not a trick question. They hatch. And in that nest far away that no predator can get, there's these small little eagles, eagle babies. And hear this, every single thing the baby needs is brought to them. Everything. The baby can't leave because the baby can't leave that nest. There's no food there. The baby can't kind of reach out of the nest and get the berries because they're in a place that no predators can get to. In every single thing that that baby needs, the eagle mama brings to that baby. In every single thing you need for your spiritual maturity, God brings to you. And what happens inside of that nest? The babies begin to grow. And look what happens in verse number 11. As the eagle stirreth up her nest. Why would an eagle stir up her nest? You know, all of those strong um, things that the eagle brought to hold that nest together, you know what that eagle begins to do? The eagle begins to take it away. Why would the eagle, after a certain amount of time, after loving these uh, little babies and, and feeding these little babies and, and, and choosing a place that they're safe and feeding them till they grow up, now all of a sudden this eagle stirs up the nest, begins to break the nest up. Is it because the eagle is mad at her children? No. The stirring has nothing to do with a punishment. The stirring has nothing to do with, with not caring. The, the stirring has nothing to do with the mama eagle is now finished with the eagle. That's not what's happening here. The, the eagle starts to break up the nest. They, they weren't born to spend their life in the nest. But they aren't going to get out of the nest till she makes it uncomfortable for them. It's, it's, it's no wonder that God uses the analogy of the eagle stirring up her nest. 
Because God didn't make us, once we're saved, to just be comfortable and stay in the nest and have everything handed to us. You know what God has to do? God has to stir things up. And in the stirring of it up, you know what the eagle little babies do? They start to look out and wonder, what is she doing? Hear me tonight. God makes it that there is no time in our lives that we can ever live independent of him. There's never going to be a time in your life that everything is going to be so comfortable that you don't need God. God is going to shake up our lives to keep us dependent upon him. He doesn't bless us so that we can live independent from him. He doesn't supply for us so that we can live independent from him. And the mama eagle's job isn't done, is not done, um, once the babies are born and once the babies are fed. It isn't, all right, you've, you've grown now, I'm finished, I'm leaving. No, that mama says, now I'm going to stir some things up. You know what we, ha- we see? So as the eagle builds, God builds. And as the eagle breaks up or stirs up, the Lord stirs up or breaks up. We see here in chapter number uh, 32, verse 11. And then, and then look what he says. Uh, uh, and fluttereth over her young. It means watches. Cares. Watches to be sure they're ready. Because there's a process now, a something is going to happen. And as that, ma- that mama eagle watches over or fluttereth over her young, so the Lord watches over us. In time, at times it feels like we're alone. At times it feels like we, we've, we're a failure. But God never, ever, ever changes. He is always constant. And God knows where you are. And that mother, that mother eagle knew exactly where her children were. And you know what? We find something else very interesting happened. And then spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. As the eagle beareth, the Lord beareth. And this is what begins to happen. The eagles watch that mama eagle flying. If they keep their eyes on the other babies, you know what? They'll never grow. But by the eagle watching their mom fly and soar, it's a desire then puts inside of that young baby to do what its mother is doing. Not to stay in the nest with everyone else. See, they're not looking at each other. They're keeping their eyes on mama. And they see mom flying, they see mom soaring, and there's something inside of that eagle now that wants to be like mom. And so what the brave eagle has to do, because mom is, is uh, uh, taking the safety of the net away, it's forcing that baby to have to step on the edge of that nest, and guess what? God is always wanting us to launch out in the deep and have faith. God is always wanting us to trust him for something. And and this is where the story gets so good. Because here, Mama Eagle, she spreads her wings and she soars. And guess what? Little baby eagle, he, he begins to soar, but he doesn't have the strength. He doesn't know what he's doing. And now guess what happens from that lofty height? Guess what happens? He begins to tumble and fall and spiral. And what does mama do? 
She comes down with her big wings and that baby just simply sits on her wings. And that's exactly what God said to Israel. He said, you are going to soar on my wings. You see, there's time that every single one of us, there is going to be a nest uh, unraveling. There's going to be a time where we sit and guess what? We can't stay in the nest anymore. Re- remember, my, my, my son has it. He, he has it so great. He, um, I, I told him, I said, now that you're graduating, you're going to have to start paying some rent, bud. He's like, Dad, I'm going to tell Mom you said that. I said, Mom told me to tell you. <laughs> she didn't. I said, bud, but, but this is the thing. You're eating my food. You're taking up space. I mean, this is costing us some things now. Right now, it's okay. If my son is 35 and he's still in his room eating my food, taking up space, sooner or later, I'm going to be like, hey, bud, you're going to have to get a job. You're going to have to start, you know, taking care of yourself here. You gotta step out of the nest because you're a little too comfortable. See, in our walk, in our Christian walk, we can't just desire to stay in the nest. God is gonna start unraveling things around us. In that unraveling and that taking away the nest isn't because he's upset with us. The only way for us to step out by faith is that we keep our eyes on him and we step out of that nest. And it's a scary thing, but this is what God promised to Israel, and this is what God is using in this analogy. When you start to fall and spiral out of control, guess what holds you? His wings. Because you can't in your own strength. You've never done this. You've not been down this road. Uh, Frankie and Emma, as I sat with them today at the cemetery, they don't have the strength to do this. Who who has the strength to bury their four-year-old child? When Bill found out he had uh, cancer, he's not had to go down this road. It took faith. What God's doing in your life and what God has done, when he starts to uh, mess up that nest to get you to to keep your eye on him, to to watch him soar and and, and to step out of that nest, he he didn't do that so that you come plummeting down the, the bottom of the cliff and we say, oh, well. No, his promise is this. When you do that, you were go- you're going to plummet. It's going to seem lonely. It's going to seem like you're falling. It's going to seem like you're spiraling. But guess what you hit? You hit Mama Eagle's wings. And that's exactly where God wants you. Because it's to know him. You know what that leap of faith taught us? It taught us something about him. See, good preaching and, 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 and being a Christian for a long time and, and reading God's word, you know what it says? God, it says God's never going to leave me nor forsake me. It says that all things work together for good. It says all of these things. You know what God's going to do? He's going to do things in your life that proves those things. Not just say it. Why? Because God's purpose in our life is to bring you to him. Mama bird can't sit in the nest all day. When the kids get big, they'll push her out. 
So what does she have to do? Their life isn't to live. The, the, the majesty of, of what those are aren't them sitting in a nest doing nothing. It's them soaring. It's them, it's them why, uh, uh, depending upon God. There are things that we'll never see from the nest. But when you begin to falter, the eagle bears the young on her wings. And that's what God said he does. The next time something tragic happens, remember it is God walking you. It's God waking you. It's God pushing you. It's God working. And we need to look for God in it. Because every single thing God is doing it's to bring you, it's to bring me to himself. I'm looking over a nest and I'm saying, I don't want to fall. And God's looking at me in that nest saying, but you can't stay. But I don't want to fall. But you're not going to fall. I don't want to hit the bottom. You're not. You know where you're going to land? On his wings. He, I, over the last several days, I just began to do this study on the eagle, and the Lord showed me that example of that eagle. As the eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, Beareth them on her wings, so the Lord. So the Lord alone did lead him. And there was no strange God with him. Moses is like, I don't know what to do. Do you, do you, do you realize that God, where, where Moses is? Moses didn't see the promised land, but guess what Moses got? He got to be with God. You might not see in life what you want to see, but you know what God will bring you? To himself. Maybe, I don't know, maybe this study was all for me because I needed it. Because for nine, eight days, whatever it's been, I've been dealing with a family that's saying, why? And this is what I finally said to them today, that you know him, that you know him better. You know what the answer is? Because God's after you. You know what the answer for what you're struggling with? It's because God's after you. And he's saying to you, take a step of faith. Get out of that nest. You're going to fall. You're going to scream. You're going to spiral. You know what he's going to say? <laughs> Hang on to my wings. He beareth you He won't let you fall. Let's pray. Father.